Hey everybody, welcome. My name is Matt and I'm here with Groundless. Today we're going to be talking about Justified, the greatest crime show you're not watching and why you should be. So grab your popcorn and Reese's Pieces and let's break it down on the Post Credit Podcast. Recording on uh, on all ends. Um, what, uh, what what episode are you guys on this, this week? What are, what are you guys going to be? What was the, the title of it? So this week it's uh, uh, let's see it's the the hammer it's the uh, the one Ooh. with Steven the Stephen Root as uh, Mike the Hammer the, oh, uh, the judge. yeah the judge yeah it's one of my favorite characters <laughs> <laughs> well Stephen Root is great in everything he's in right and and uh, I love him as this character yeah I mean you look at his his character in Office Space and then this character and you, you see the, the the juxtaposition you know between the, the those two characters uh, he, he's he's quite an actor. Yeah, he's cool. he's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah. So um, uh, we're, we're talking about Justified today. We're doing a series review um, on the entire show. I have two guys, um, Chris and Randy. They do a uh, show called Groundless. It's a Justified podcast, and uh, what they do is basically they watch every episode and then um, they review every episode. Uh, so for every episode of Justified, there's an episode of Groundless. Um, I really like what you guys do. I really like. Um, uh, the, the way you break everything down, I like your, uh, your, uh, your DeLorean, um, you know, looking at what's, what's going on in, in, in the world when the, uh, the, the episodes come out and some of those things that you guys talk about, I'm like, man, that's crazy. That, that was that long ago. You know, it's, 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 it's insane. Some of the things that you, uh, you don't realize, um, happened so long ago. Yeah, the idea was to put it in a little bit of context of, you know, the 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 episode and what was happening in the world and the the lens at which you you kind of look at the episode through. But but it's turned out to be, you know, really some some very interesting stuff that's uh, that's gone on around the same time that these episodes air. So it's kind of become a, a it's taken on a life of its own a little bit. Yeah, and it's interesting because the uh, the the, uh, you know, some sometimes uh, the the writers will incorporate what's kind of going on in the world today into the show, so it's it's kind of cool that you guys it's it's cool that you guys uh, 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 integrate that into the show as well. Um, can you so can you imagine? I'm sorry, I didn't mean no. To, go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, can you imagine what it would be like now? You know, if Justified was going on right now, and <laughs> say Limehouse was oh, like in, in that whole thing. Can oh, you, and we're going to talk about Limehouse. That? Oh man. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you, you just look at all these hicks that are in in Harlan County and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of what's on this show wouldn't fly today. So. Oh yeah. And yeah, you're absolutely with, right. <laughs> yeah, especially with with the climate and, and everything that's going on right now, but. um I like that you guys. I like that you guys uh, decided to do this because you know, in, in the premise, uh, some of the things that you wrote, uh, you know, you you talked about how nobody nobody had thought to do this, and it's such a good show, and you don't you just don't hear much about it. Um, and I don't know if that's just because if it's an FX show or or just because it's a western or whatever. But um, do you guys have any other type of shows like whenever you get to the end of this that you want to? do another podcast with you know episode by episode do you guys watch any other shows like that boy that's a that's a great question <laughs> I, I, I the first thing i want to say is you're absolutely right about the amount of content that's out there about justified it's remarkable to me every time when i look for something on justified how little there is that that's right. been that's been written about it or that's been you know like if you go to youtube one of the things I wanted to do for this, for preparation for this, was to just watch. I've seen the, you know, I've seen the whole show all the way through five or six times, but 
I wanted to watch some season recaps and, and usually you go to YouTube, you type in, you know, X show season recap and you find, you know, three or four different yeah. versions of a season recap for justified. You can't find them. They're not out there. Nobody's done them. And so you got all the game of Thrones and, and all yeah. those, but no justified. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing. And, and it's, it's very much a, a cult kind of show, but you know, we, our objective is to try and get as many people to watch it. We, I, I've said on the podcast many times, you know, hey, if you haven't watched the show and you're somehow listening to this podcast, stop, stop listening to the show, <laughs> stop listening to the podcast and go watch the show, yeah, then come back because it's way go. better than we are. Yeah. But as far as like what to watch next, you know, we were talking about that last week, in fact, right? Which is, yep. you know, because we had uh, one of the guest stars was from uh, Arrested Development. I said, boy, that would be a fun one to do would be an Arrested Development podcast. But the problem with with doing any comedy kind of analysis is comedy is very subjective and you end up just kind of recounting the jokes, right? We really try not to do that with, with Justified where we're just recapping quotes. Oh, it was so funny. Where it was great when you said this. Remember that? We talk about the Chris Farley show example. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's uh, I, I've, I've heard you guys say that, too. Um, I, I think, like you said, Arrested Development, that, that'd probably be a hard, a hard show to do. But I mean, and, and some of their their th- their jokes are, you know, just so throwaway. You know, you, you just can't you can't analyze it, you know, but but you can genius. repeat it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can, oh, yeah. You can talk you can about it. And you can repeat, laugh yeah. about it. <laughs> I'm a monster. <laughs> I still see that guy in uh, blue paint uh, just crouching in the shower, just crying to himself in, in his jean shorts. He's never shorts. nude. Yeah, he's a never nude. Um, all right. Well, let's 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 kind of dig in a little bit more. Um, um, I'm just going to intro Justified here. Uh, it's a TV show that aired on FX from 2010 to 2015. It was created by Graham Yost, who also wrote the movies Speed and Broken Arrow. Uh, he's also the showrunner of The Americans and Sneaky Pete. Um, this show stars uh, Timothy Oliphant. He's a deputy uh, deputy deputy U.S. Marshal from Harlan, Kentucky. Um, his name is Raylan Givens, and it follows the marshal and his exploits after he's forced to transfer to the marshal's office back home in Kentucky, the eastern Eastern District, to be exact, which is exactly where he doesn't want to go. Um, Raylan uh, encounters old f- old flames, old friends, and old rivals as his past, as well as his last name, test his determination to be a lawman. In the show, uh, Raylan deals with decade-old family feuds that rival the Hatfield and McCoys, mob bosses from Detroit, and the Dixie Mafia, as well as the shit kickers and gun thugs and all the various hollers and churches that litter Harlan County. El- this, 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 this show comes from an Elmore Leonard uh, uh, short story. Um, is it a short story or a novella? It's a short story, Fire in the Hole. It's part of a uh, larger collection of short stories. That's right. And, uh, and it was written by Elmore Leonard. He's a pulp crime novelist. Uh, he, he's done things like uh, Get Shorty, Out of Sight, um, uh, Rum Punch. Uh, that was actually turned into Jackie ba- uh, Brown by Quentin Tarantino. Um, and he even did some short stories that became 310 to Yuma. Is that correct? 310 to Yuma, yes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah right. that was great. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, so, so the books that Raylan uh, uh, features in our, our protagonist uh, is uh, Pronto, Riding the Rap, uh, as we talked about, Fire in the Hole, and then Raylan. Raylan was written um, as the show was going. Uh, he was kind of uh, inspired uh, Elmore Leonard to, to kind of revisit the character. Um, although he, he changes a lot from the show, like as far as like uh, Dickie and Coover are now crows instead of Bennett's, right? 
Yeah, that's right. And 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 the uh, that book is is I would say probably the the least good of the the books that feature Raylan Givens as a character. And that was the last one he wrote, right before he died. Uh, I don't know if it's the last book he wrote before he died, but it's definitely the last of the uh, the Raylan Givens books. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, you know, you know, and it, it speaks to a certain culture. It's just like a, a man out of time. You know, this is like a modern modern day western. Um, you know, almost in the vein of of the the ones that uh, Raylan mentions uh, watching when he was growing up, Rawhide and uh, Have Gun Will Travel. Um, so, so what do you think made the show so popular in a time when Westerns and even modern day Westerns weren't very popular? Well, I think that uh, my opinion is that there is a certain, it's a different world, right? Like any good story, it, it puts you into a different world that maybe nobody's really familiar with unless you're from Kentucky. Um, now it's a Southern California version of Kentucky, but, but <laughs> it is California mountains in the background. Yeah, yeah. It's like that same background in mash, you know, like they have the mountains, the <laughs> yeah. spawn ranch or whatever. Um, but yeah, it, it, it puts you in a different world that you don't, uh, you don't see, or I don't see. I mean, I live in, uh, Las Vegas. So, so you're thinking just that. because it's kind of like a, such a, a, a niche, uh, type of culture that it's it's more fascinating to the, the the general public to me it is and then the characters are very well like drawn out you know you can have a heavy uh, or even some of these henchmen you know like they have their their great characters like uh, you don't maybe they don't have that much screen time but and at the end they die but you get to get uh, <laughs> you know you get to know a little bit about them or find out a little bit about you know like last week it was the boxer the broken down loser boxer you know uh, in <laughs> for, Billy for, Mac. The, yeah Billy Mac I mean just very very memorable the way that they were drawn out in during yeah. these episodes there's no sketches right there's no there's no throwaway characters everybody's fully fleshed out they all have a reason to be there and and there's there's a tremendous amount of care taken with every single scene of every single episode and the dialogue that goes into those scenes some of the from a filmmaking standpoint or from a cinematography standpoint maybe not the greatest that's yeah. been ever that's ever been shot but from a writing standpoint, from like a, usually a when they're driving in a driving in a car and have the fake background in the back, yeah, <laughs> lots of <laughs> lots and lots of green screen in this show. <laughs> uh, but but the the dialogue itself, there nothing is throwaway. You could tell a tremendous amount of time and tremendous amount of care was spent making sure that every single word was you know was impactful and 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 meant something to the person who wrote it. Yeah, yeah, you know, the, the the script is very, you know, like you said, it's dense with character. It's it's the the not only the 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 setting and 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 the actors that are chosen, the directors and the writers. Um but but the the scripts and and you know, I know that um the writers room, they all had uh wristbands that said, you know, WWED. So what would Elmore uh, uh or yeah, what would Elmore do? Um, yeah. So, you know, they, they wanted to keep that, that the, the way he writes because he has such, you know, that that electric dialogue in, in all of his novels and everything. And so they always wanted to keep that at the forefront of their mind. Yeah. Which is why, you know, one of the reasons you mentioned Rum Punch and it being adapted into Jackie Brown and you and you read that book and you read how faithfully Quentin Tarantino, who is a guy who knows how to write dialogue. 
you you read how faithfully he held to kind of some of the dialogue, the original dialogue that Elmore Leonard had written in that novel, he kept in the movie. And and you really start to see how good, how transcendent really Elmore Leonard was at writing dialogue. Yeah, definitely. Well, uh, you know, let's let's go ahead and dive into season one. Uh, uh, basically, the premise of season one, um, uh, we're introduced to Rayland. Um, he uh, he has a, he has experience with uh, this gun thug uh, Tommy Bucks. He's uh, he's uh, uh, you know kind of a crime boss in Miami. Um, he's him and Raylan have a history that's clear when they meet. Uh, Raylan's given him twenty four hours to get out of town, and Tommy Bucks has not complied. Uh, Raylan meets him on top of a of a hotel and 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 basically kind of counts him down, uh, pushes him to pull his his weapon, and uh, so of course Raylan uh, pulls and puts him down. Um, his boss tells him, you know, we haven't shot on sight in like over a hundred years or something like that. Um, and he, you know, he's like, we got to get you out of here. He sends him and he tells him, you know, we're going to send you back to Kentucky. Um, or we're going to send you to the Eastern district of Kentucky. And Raylan's like, that's where I came from. You know, I don't want to go back. He's, he's had, you could see that he's, he's had a very bad, uh, history in, uh, in, in Harlan. Uh, but he goes back. He meets a uh, kind of a childhood friend that he worked uh, he worked with. He dug coal with. His name is Boyd Crowder, and uh, that that's that's kind of where we get into the show. Um, you know, if you guys want to see you know a more in depth um, analysis of each episode within these seasons that we're talking about, definitely uh, head over to the Groundless uh, podcast and listen to those um, those episodes. But I, I wanted to start with uh, with relationships. Um, because you know this this show is 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 kind of really about relationships, and um, you know th- I think the most prevalent one is is Raylan and Boyd, um, and and I guess my first question would be you know why why does why do you think Boyd gives Raylan such pause because Raylan has a chance to kill Boyd, um, and and be justified about it, but he he misses he misses his mark. Um, so, so what do you think it is that, that, that gives Raylan such pause, you know, uh, you know, would they have been best, best friends if they're not on different side or, or what do you think? That's a good question because the, my feeling is, is that he, when you have the family, the familial bonds where he's from, it, it seems, I mean, these people would go to war. Like you had mentioned in the intro that you have the Hatfield McCoy's. And here we have uh, the what the Bennetts and the uh, Givens. You know, there's there's that. There's also uh, just the importance of of you know when you're in a situation where you're digging coal together with with uh, um, with Boyd. You know, that is a life and death situation. You know, like if you're, it's, it's dangerous in that. So there, there are bonds that grow over that as well. In my opinion, yeah, it's it's yeah. it's like being in a trench, right? It's like it's yeah. it's you're at war with the coal or the mine or whatever is trying to kill you at that particular moment in time. And it forms a bond that's probably, I would say it's it more, more powerful than friendship, whatever that is, because I, I wouldn't call Boyd and Raylan friends like, no. in yeah. any, any sense of the word, but, uh, but there is a bond there and there is a relationship there. And, and, you know, uh, we we've talked about we talked a little bit before we came on the uh, on the podcast about spoilers and what what we're allowed to talk about here. So we can we can fast forward to the end, right? Right. And, right. and fast forward to the end, and what do we hear? The last the last line of the series is we dug coal together. 
Right. And that's why, you know, Raylan felt he owed him. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're talking to, they're definitely not friends and, you know, they almost, they almost hate each other. Um, because they, they see, you know, maybe, uh, Boyd sees, uh, what he could have been or Raylan sees what he could have been. Um, you know, I think maybe he's scared of, uh, Boyd and what he represents. Um, you know, I, maybe, maybe that's why, you know, he, he didn't want to put him down because he was afraid that he'd be, he'd be killing him for the wrong reason. Well, he is, uh, well, I, you know, look I, at yeah. his background, right? He, uh, his dad was, uh, Arlo, uh, Raylan's dad a criminal you know his dad was a criminal or is a criminal in the right. and a not very successful one like yeah. more, and a right? failure and, yeah exactly yeah. <clears throat> although he did have some success with some farm equipment uh, as, as I recall <laughs> and and taking some cocaine probably turning that into some money so um so I, I was listening to uh, Blowback, uh, your your episode Blowback and 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 by the way for the first season that that episode is my favorite um, I, I, I love the, uh, it's kind of, you know, it, it explores the character explores, you know, the, you know, is Raylan, um, you know, is he only acting like he's acting cause people are around, you know, the same things that, that the Cal Wallace, you know, kind of calls him out on. Um, but you said on blowback that, uh, that Raylan connects more to criminals. Um, you know, why do you, why do you think it is? And, and, and do you have any, can you think of any time that the, the show really explores that further? Yeah, I mean, look, we I think we see kind of over and over again that Raylan forms better relationships with people who are on the dark side of the law than he does with people who are on the the light side of the law. And look at I, I think the only thing you need to look at there as an example is his relationship with Tim and Rachel. Right. We Raylan's relationship with Tim and Rachel are is more confrontational than Raylan's relationship with somebody like uh, Elston Limehouse or a Dewey Crow even. Yeah, he feels um, more laid back, more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I, I, there's, there's probably a little bit, and, and we haven't really talked about this too much on, on the podcast yet, but I, I, I have a little bit of a nugget of a theory here that there's kind of an identity crisis that's going on in Raylan's head, right? Is, is that he sees himself as kind of an imposter, a poser, right? He's, he's, he might have a little bit of imposter syndrome being a cop, being a lawman because of, because of what he came from and where he, and how he grew up and what he did. You know, we don't, we don't ever learn much about Raylan when he was a kid, but I would be willing to bet there was some criminal activity when he was a teenager. Right. Right. He, he was probably not a squeaky clean guy. He was probably, you know, hustling here and there or running a little scam here and there. It'd be hard to grow up with Arlo as your dad beating you senseless on a regular basis. Yeah, I know he had, he read books, right? He, he, he read did read books. Yeah. Younger. Yeah. But kind of but, escaped that whole world. Yeah. But this, I, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, I, I just think I think that he I think he sees himself. I think he sees himself as a criminal who plays by the rules. And so he feels sort of a sense of superiority to them. But at the same time, he's got this, you know, this identity crisis going on in his head that he's like he's like one move away from being an Arlo or a Boyd or a, or or a Quarles or whoever. 
he's like one one wrong move away from doing that and and i think he's he's scared of himself at times that's a good point but i just see i i I see that you know like how for example actors who get really successful you know they get uh a lot of them are insecure in a way you know they're insecure in what their their position is you see or athletes who maybe they get a lot of uh a fame or notoriety and money right away they uh, you see that as far as like there's you know like there's a, a mentality there it's an insecurity right like like they didn't earn it I don't. Right. I don't know if you ever if you ever seen that. Like uh, you, you see that sort of a group mentality as far as like in Hollywood, for example, all these actors um, who who are who get infused with a lot of fame and money and everything else, and, and some of them don't know how to handle it. But I think Raylan does. I think he he is able to handle it. And he, yeah, and and, so. and you know one of the things that I that I that I've mentioned uh, before, but but that I think is worthy of talking about is is when you look at it from a character development standpoint, there's one character on this show who basically doesn't evolve for the entire show. He's static and it's Raylan. Raylan doesn't change. Raylan in episode one is Raylan in episode, whatever, 60, whatever it is. This is true. Uh, Except for the hat. He changes the hat. He does change the hat. You're right. Thank you, Boone. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, You know, and, and, and in that specific situation, you know, Raylan, he's trying to, to, do everything by the book with with talking to this cal guy who's who's got these cops um you know kind of trapped in a room and hostage negotiation with raylan uh you know he's trying to do everything by the book he's looking through the folders you know gets the tattoo wrong and all that kind of stuff you know and finally he decides to just kind of do it his way you know it's like oh let's get him some chicken let's get him something to drink let's make let's let him you know feel like a human being and everything you know it, i feel like that's kind of like the mentality of you know uh uh a non-cop when, when, when you're trying to, trying to deal with criminals. Well, I was going to say the, the other thing that I, I was just thinking about in, I mentioned this to, this to Chris last week was, you know, there's a, there isn't that much of a difference between a cop and the criminal in the sense that they both have a, they, they, uh, they use violence, right? There's, there's a, there's, a, a criminal uses violence, and uh, and the the police use violence. The police have a, a monopoly on violence, though, which is which is one thing why why you'll see um, criminality in in the police department um, go sometimes unchecked. I mean, we, we that's what we've seen here yeah, in the past couple nowadays. Weeks. Right, right, yeah. And in fact, I just saw just right before we came on, I was looking at the news and uh, Minneapolis. I guess they're going to disband their police department. Yeah, I thought I saw that for like uh, somewhere in uh, California as well. Or yeah, doing that in LA or something. Yeah, and and once again, I I just think it maybe just goes to the idea of uh, you know like the police, in essence, they do have a sort of monopoly. They have a monopoly on on violence. So yeah. there's that aspect of it, of it as well. And, 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 you know, it kind of gives them, it, it, it gives them a little bit more confidence, you know, a little bit more, mm-hmm. more power too. I mean, you know, you, you have people like, uh, you know, Boyd who, who walk into, you know, Nobles Holler and, you know, he's got to, he's got to rely on his wit. He's got a lot to rely on his talking to get out of there alive. Mm-hmm. You know, you say the wrong, the wrong thing one time, you know, you might get killed, get buried under a church or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Raylan, you know, he kind of just goes in there, you know, he, he shows his badge, you know. So I think it gives him that ex- extra confidence. I wonder if he would have that same confidence uh, going into all these places, considering he grew up there if he didn't have a badge. 
Yeah, could he do what he does with impunity if he right. didn't? If he couldn't? If he couldn't be behind the badge? And and, and I would think, he have the balls to do that too? Yeah, exactly. And we see that a couple of times in in this uh, in the series, right? There's a there's definitely uh, times, and I think in the most most recent episode we just did, which was Hatless, he uh, he doesn't have his badge, he doesn't have his gun, and he's still got the swagger, and he gets his ass kicked in the parking lot. Yeah, and then he also sets down his badge and fights Coover and gets his ass kicked. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So and and then I think he does something similar in uh, in season three uh, with with quarrels uh, in the bar. I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure on my memory on that one. Are you thinking Are you thinking about the uh, the the bartender lady's boyfriend, the boxer? Maybe it was the bartender lady's boyfriend. Yeah, it was. I think that was in yeah. season four or whatever. But yeah, he had that that beanbag uh, shotgun and everything. He, he <laughs> yeah. was finally like, "Screw it, I can't win this fight. I'm going to take a shotgun with me." <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so he uh, we we see Raylan, you know, keep that confidence, keep that swagger, even when he doesn't have his badge and his gun with him. Um, but and even when but, he's on his ass. Yeah, even when he's on his ass. But you do make an excellent point about, well, wait a minute. How how would he have evolved differently if he hadn't gone to the side of the law, if he had gone to the side of the criminal? Would he yeah. still be this arrogant, this, you know, this kind of strong willed or would he be, you know, more wily, more strategic like Boyd? Would he be less of a less of a wrecking ball and more of a, a you know, scalpel? Right. And I definitely want to touch on that when we get to uh, season six here. Um, so 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 Boyd's father, Bo, he uh, kidnaps Ava, takes her out to Bulletville um, and uh, Boyd finds out about it and he decides to team up with Raylan. Raylan, of course, making another bad judgment call, decides to take Boyd with him instead of, you know, any of the other marshals that he works with. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, if you're going to have Boyd run around the back, you could have had Tim run around the back and he probably would have gotten some better shots off, Um, you know, but that's just my opinion. But they end up saving Ava. I thought that was a really cool scene um, with them teaming up in the in the last episode. And then, of course, we kind of see a change over Boyd over the the next few uh, seasons uh, into season two, where he's kind of really trying to decide where his place is in this world, because, you know, his father's upset his uh his life and everything so he has to deal with that um boyd's boyd's father gets killed in a shootout with some uh some of the miami people there that are after uh raylan um and uh we we, we kind of move on to season two from there um after uh raylan and and boyd uh save ava but you know before we do that do you think um because because boyd had killed uh at least two people in the first season right he killed Jared in the beginning and then he killed a CI um that was that was in that that meth lab yep mm-hmm. and so i mean you know in in the next season of season 2 we see how we see how uh Raylan kind of approaches Boyd and he's like okay you know hey just to let you know Miami says we're good as long as you don't go after them and everything kind of check trying to check in with him make sure he's not going to go off the rails but you know it seemed like they were almost no longer you know uh, uh, cop and criminal and everything. It was, it was kind of like they were trying to bury. So, you know, do you think even after he killed those two people, if Boyd had decided to kind of stay on that path where he was trying to be a better person, uh, trying to follow the law and everything, do you think they could have like eventually been friends? No, no, but Raylan never would have believed it. 
right? It, he constantly would have been looking for for Boyd what the scam was. What 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 was what's Boyd up to? What's he trying to pull here? What's the scam? He he never would have believed that Boyd changed. And and it's you know it's it's a recurring theme throughout the entire series. This this whole concept of the past and the future, or the past and the present, or whatever, kind of battling it out and trying to overcome the past and your upbringing and where you were raised and how you were raised and your relationship with your father and how all of that plays into kind of your view of the world and how things happen. And there's no way, I mean, Raylan doesn't have that capacity in him to trust a Boyd. It just, even though, even though we've, one of the things we've talked about pretty regularly is that Raylan is very eager to trust people. He wants to trust people. Boyd almost is to a not fault. on, almost to a fault. Yeah. And it gets him into some bad situations, but, but Boyd is not one of those people. He doesn't right. trust Boyd. And okay. I, I never, and I never really bought it over that first season anyway, as far as, you know, as far as uh Boyd trying to change his ways, I, I'd like to think it, he would, but I, 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 I always, and I always mention that on the podcast. I like it's it's almost like it's not believable when he's rehearsing his speech or what he's going to say to Raylan or you know the talk. For example, when he was in the hospital after he got shot, that that scene where Raylan comes and visits. Right. Him. Um, so I, I I don't know. I I don't, I don't think so. And I think because Raylan never changed over the course of the series, I think Chris is right. Um, I don't think I, I think he was always going to question um, something like that. Yeah, and 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 uh, to touch on that point quickly about Boyd and his evolution. Uh, you know, we see in season two, we see a Boyd Crowder that is desperately trying to stomp down his darkness. Uh, but it doesn't take a whole lot for him to go, oh, you know what? Never mind. I can't do that. I'm never going to be able to do that. I guess I'm just a criminal. That's what I'm going like- to be forever. He likes to get money and blow shit up. That's exactly right. He, he, yeah, he, he, all it takes is one, you know, a little heist, one failed heist where the guys try and set him up. And he, uh, he's immediately back to a life of, of crime, criminal kingpin life. Which mags, which mags give him, gives him kind of the opportunity to, um, when he kind of weasels his way into that, into that deal. Yeah. That comes in season two. Yeah. Uh, well, moving into season two, uh, I'm sure you you understand why I'm asking this question. Uh, what would be each of yours, uh, I guess, top two or three favorite seasons, and what what do you think is the worst, and why? Well, my favorite season is season two, not by far, because I would put probably season uh, four in there as right. the. But uh, but my yeah, probably season two, just because Mags is such a is such a great character, is such a great villain. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, by the same token, they did have that side plot with Winona um, stealing <laughs> that money. So I guess you could say that's the least favorite part. But Oh, my God. But, that's, that's the worst part of season two. And season two is <laughs> remarkably good, like a remarkable yeah. season of television. I, <laughs> right. I agree with 100 uh, percent. Season two, by far, for me, at least the best season of the, the show. Uh, I disagree a little bit on season four. Uh, I actually prefer quarrels in season three, just because oh, okay. I think that mm-hmm. the uh, I think that the acting 
that the uh, the actor who plays Quarles does in that season and the way we see him kind of evolve from this very put together, very, you know, uh, organized, organized crime guy devolve into this pill popping <laughs> lunatic by the right. end of the season. He just does such a good job with that. I, I yeah, I was just going to say it's true. Like I, I'm, I'm trying to think of the name cause I've seen that guy and you know, he's like one of those guys that, you know, right. The uh, Neil McDonough corals that's yeah, and uh and yeah it's right at, at the beginning he, he's like the carpet bagger right he comes in he has he has a lot of money uh, to come in and, and try to build uh you know uh, get scam the yahoos out of the or the yeah uh, whatever you want to call them the kentuckians <laughs> out of their money and and they end up getting the best of them in essence right 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 yeah. Every single turn that he makes, he, <laughs> he, he, somebody is there to uh, hustle him out of his money. It's he he plays unhinged, and and if you read a little bit about Neil McDonough and and like how kind of buttoned up he is, strong Christian, as in, yeah, as an individual, and then you see him play this character, it's it's really remarkable. <laughs> Well, yeah, and he won't even like kiss another nope. uh, actress on screen because uh-huh. you know he's like this. I'm married, so I'm not going to be kissed. So yeah, you know, it, you're you're right. He has, does have this button up, you know, Christian mentality, and then you know he comes on the show and strips off and you know does some crazy stuff here. Yeah, probably some of the darkest scenes, right? Where there's that guy, he's all tied up in the in the bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. just some really dark stuff. Definitely. Uh, well, getting into season two, that just basically covers the the, the Bennett clan. Um, they have some history with the Givens. Um, uh, the, the the Bennett clan is 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 ran by uh, Mags Bennett, uh, and uh, that's played by Margot uh, Martindale. Uh, she does such an amazing job in this in this uh, show. Uh, I, I I don't know if I've I, I'm you know I've seen her in other things, but I don't know if I'd seen her in other things before this show. Um, but you know, had you guys seen any other any other um, kind of roles that she was in before? Do you remember knowing about her before she was in this role? I don't. I can't even think of what she she would be in. Well, I can't remember. I, I, she was she was on Dexter. Uh, she was in several episodes of Dexter, so I had remembered her from that. And I, but I can't remember. I think yeah yeah yeah. yeah. I just I just looked it up to to verify. She was uh, she was Ma Cox in Walk Hard, the Dewey Cox story, which for my my money is at least I mean, she was Arlo's wife on that in that movie. And uh, and for my money, that's as good of a uh, a comedy uh, movie as you can find. It's just a perfect send up of the uh, of the the music biopic. It, It just absolutely does a perfect job of making fun of them all. But. But yeah, she was in that, and then uh, and then yeah, justified, and now she's of course in Sneaky Pete, and right, uh, and she's fantastic in that too. I, I, she she plays she plays herself on uh, BoJack Horseman. Have you guys ever seen BoJack Horseman? I have. I haven't seen her in it though. I yeah, mean, she she's episodes. she's on it regularly, and her full the the way she's constantly addressed as character actress Margot Martindale. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds like something Arrested Development would do. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I, you know, her performance in The Spoil, 
Um, I, I, I just love like her speech in the church when they're, when they're, when they're kind of debating, um, on, on whether they're going to let this company come in and when she, you know, you know, Boyd does his thing and then she does her thing. And, um, I, I, I'm blown away every time I watch that episode. Sometimes I'll just watch that episode. Um, I really enjoy that one. Uh, she, uh, she is the, uh, matriarch of the family. She has three sons, um, Dickie, Coover and Doyle. Um, and, uh, Doyle is a, uh, uh, police officer, uh, in, in Bennett and, um, uh, Raylan comes back. Uh, he has some history with Dickie. Uh, when they were younger, they, uh, they used to play uh, baseball against each other. Uh, Dickie, uh, beamed him in the head with a, a ball and, um, you know, cleared the benches. Everybody was fighting. Uh, he went and put a cleat in Raylan's face and Raylan went and took a bat and bent his knee the wrong way. And, uh, so, uh, you got, uh, um, Dickie, uh, walking, walking with a, uh, <laughs> walking with a serious limp for the rest of his life because of Raylan's actions. So I, I, I have to imagine that, um, that Mags is not, uh, you know, a, a huge fan of Raylan, especially when he comes back. Well, and we find out later that, uh, that, that, uh, Aunt Helen and Mags brokered a peace between the two clans because they were, you know, there was, their retribution was desired but it's uh, they managed to tamp it down. Right. Yeah. And uh, Dick, Dickie, Dickie plays Jer- uh, or, uh, Jeremy Davies is, is the, is the guy who plays uh, Dickie yeah. and um, man, this, this actor, I think the, <laughs> the first time I remember ever seeing him was in Twister. I don't know if you remember him being in mm-hmm. Twister, um, but um, you know, he was in lost um, and, and, and this show, he, man, <laughs> You cannot get more redneck, I don't think, than Dickie in this show. <laughs> he is the most hick redneck representative. I mean, just down to the way he dresses, the the way he spits, and everything. I mean, it's it, this, this this character, and he won an award too, didn't he? As, as well as Margot Martindale. I, I, I don't know if he won, won a award. supporting actor award or not, but he probably he was should at least have. nominated. Yeah, he, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think he, he was probably should have been nominated. nominated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, you have the scene where, you know, in, in this, this basically Raylan has to take down the Bennett family in the, in this season. Um, and, uh, there's some manipulation that goes on with that, but there's some really cool scenes in this season. Um, uh, especially the one where, um, in, in, in one part, um, uh, Ray, uh, Dickie kills aunt Helen in her kitchen. Um, he, 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 he brokered a deal with, uh, with Doyle and, and, uh, and Mags. And, and so uh, they led him to Dickie and Raylan marches him out into the, uh, woods and he's going to execute him out there. Um, because, you know, Aunt Helen is basically like Raylan's mom, you know, you know, of course, you know, Raylan had his mom and that she died, but then Aunt Helen kind of took over and she's the one that really got him out of there and, and gave him a new life. Um, you know. What, what what do you think, you know, is it, is it that Helen that stops him from killing Dickie or is it his lawman status? You know, what is it that, you know, he, he's got the gun to his head and he's about, and this is one of my favorite scenes, by the way, but he's, he's got the gun to his head and then he finally just, you know, he, he, you know, pistol whips him, knocks him out. He can't do it. Why do you think it is that he couldn't kill Dickie to get that revenge? Well, I think he couldn't get over the hump, right? He couldn't he couldn't get over the hump of the fact that he had a man on his knees unarmed in front of him. Right. And, do you think and, it's because he's a lawman or do you think it's kind of because of Aunt Helen's morality or, or what she would want or, you know, what she wished for him? 
I, I don't know that Aunt Helen wouldn't have wouldn't have shot him if she had the opportunity. <laughs> she so. would. She probably wouldn't want Raylan to. That's you know what? That's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. You're right. She wouldn't have wanted Raylan to do that. But I, I think it's just just his innate innate morality, and whether that was taught to him by Aunt Helen or whether he learned it along the way or whatever, he just he couldn't bring himself to execute someone it was it's not it's it is the line that separates him right we never see him you know take a life well he does he does some shady stuff which we'll talk about yeah (laughs) Yeah. i mean we never see him with his own hands take a life uh that's unjustified i guess yeah um you know throughout the 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 season um you know raylan uh kills coover um uh, the I think it was Tim that killed uh, Doyle, right? He he sniped him whenever the uh, the cops were coming in there at the end, um, and uh, then Mags um, decides you know she doesn't want to go to jail, she doesn't want to do all this, so uh, you know she ends up poisoning herself with her apple pie. Um, what it do you was think already she... in the glass. Yeah, it was already <laughs> yes. in the glass, not in the jar. Um, why do you think? Why do you think she didn't uh, give give Raylan that glass? Ooh, that's it doesn't question. solve her problem. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. would, don't you think she would have wanted revenge? You know, she, you know, he had killed Coover. Um, she knew Doyle was dead. I mean, that type of character, I, I, I would think, would want some kind of revenge for her sons. Yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 a it's a great question. It's one I hadn't I hadn't really considered before, and probably should have. I'm a little <laughs> embarrassed that I haven't. But um, I I don't know. I mean, she had turned away. It, maybe maybe she saw it as she had turned away from that life, that 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 criminal life, but three or four episodes earlier. Right. And and unlike Boyd, she wasn't going to let herself get sucked back in. She was just living with the consequences of her actions up until that point. And so uh, if if you know, you're if you're doing kind of a, an illogical analysis and, and again, that's not something that that we typically associate with, you know, a uh, clan versus clan <laughs> right. feud going back <laughs> generations. But if you're doing the logical analysis, she looks at it and says, hey, this doesn't solve my problem. I've got to end my own anyway. I've got to end myself anyway, or I'm going to end up in jail and all my kids are dead. Um, everything I've done up to this point has gotten me to where I'm at. So. Yeah, maybe I don't need to kill anybody else. Maybe it's time for the violence and, and bloodshed to end with me. Yeah, that's a good point. She was left with her obviously least favorite child, uh, in Dickie. <laughs> because I well, mean, then, man, they, well, but Dickie had been shot at that point, so she at that point I don't think knows whether or not Dickie's going to survive either. And you also have to remember that that Loretta also, you know, found out exactly what happened to her dad through through the hand of. Uh, of uh, mags right i mean she right. yeah and essentially killed. disowned mags yeah that's a good point too she'd lost everything at that point. yeah her her yeah. her adopted daughter and all that kind of stuff and she maybe she had a moment of clarity right and she's a tr- she starts to attribute her the results of her actions to herself instead of blaming raylan yeah because she grabbed and, his hand like the, you're kind of have an intimate moment type of thing you know one of the last scenes is 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 uh Boyd handing uh, Dickie over, you know, Dickie um, killed Helen and uh, he attacked Ava, which pissed Boyd off because at this point, Boyd and uh, Ava are together. Um, and uh, he, he has, he has uh, uh, Dickie, uh, well, Wade strung Raylan up for Dickie and Dickie's, you know, beating <laughs> on him with a baseball bat and Boyd walks up and, you know, gun drawn and everything like that gets him to cut uh, Raylan down. 
And Raylan turns around and decides that uh, because Loretta is uh, is heading towards um, the Bennett clan, um, that he needs he needs Dicky. He needs Dicky to trade or to use him to to probably get Loretta. Um, and and he he kind of has to ask Boyd, but you know he he kind of tells Boyd, you know, you can tell people I asked you. Um, and 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 so Boyd handed him over. Um, what do you, what do you think would have happened if Boyd said no? Do you think they would have? Uh, kind of gotten into it a little bit i think they probably would have showed it down right there yeah i think uh because uh, you know raylan was not going to let boyd kill a man in front of him it, it just wasn't going to happen but i mean he started to like he put on his hat and he's like you know it's not my problem you know dickie's like don't you can't just leave he's like not my problem he walked away and then whenever dickie mentioned loretta then kind of raylan had to change his mind but it looked like he was about to walk away and let boyd kill him yeah, but it looks like that at the end of the first season too, right? It yeah. looks like it looks like he's going to let Boyd go after those gun thugs from Miami and kill him, but he doesn't. He drags him out of that semi truck and tells him, "You're going to stay here, and I'm going to take care of this." Yeah. So I, I I think maybe he you know maybe he lets things kind of play out on their own until they reach a point where he says, "You know what? I've got to I've got to stop this. This is not something I can condone." Right. Well, you know that that, that, that kind of leads us into season three because uh, because Raylan didn't turn uh, return Dicky to Boyd like he had promised, uh, as Boyd puts it. Um, he attacks uh, uh, in, in the, the first episode of season three. Attacks uh, Raylan in the um, the marshal's office, but it's it's really just a ploy <laughs> to get closer to Dicky so he can kill him in prison. Um, but you know, in season three, we're introduced to, uh, Robert Quarles, who we, we mentioned, um, uh, is played by, uh, Neil McDonough. He's a, you kind of, a um, a high level guy from Detroit, but he's messed up. And so he kind of got put out to pastor for a bit. Um, and he, he works for, uh, the Tonins, correct? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he works for, uh, now, uh do, go ahead. Do they, do they, and I can't remember, do they ever explain what exactly happened to, for him to get sent down, like Raylan got sent from Miami up to Harlan. <laughs> what, did, what did the mob send him? Send him yeah. down to Harlan for? Because he had problems with that boy, like molesting a boy or something, didn't he? Yeah, he. That's he, right. He kidnapped and killed a male escort. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they did a whole scene on that. Okay, all right. I'll withdraw my question. <laughs> Cheerfully withdraw. <laughs> you know, another good thing about this Robert Robert Quarles character, you know, besides obviously Mil- Neil McDonough has a, a very unique look about him. He's got this white hair, bright blue eyes, you know, and they make reference uh, to it. Uh, you know, they call him that. I'll, I'll... Big stupid baby head. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, and he does that, but, but he has a very, um, he has a very unique look, but he, he's very dressed down. He's, he's, you can tell he's, this is, this is a true, uh, business type of criminal. And, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he kills, uh, you know, one of the underlings with, uh, his, his this secret gun that he has up his sleeve. Um, what did you think of Quarles uh, little, little toy? I don't think it would be very practical. I don't know. I, I've I've seen those in real life, but I don't know. I guess uh, I, I have you ever seen one in real life that worked? <laughs> I've never have. Uh, I I like Sammy's comment. He's like, "That's cool." Does that ever stick? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I I I've I've not seen one of those in real life, and I I think it's I think it's a cool little kind of character, you know, trait to for him mm-hmm. to have. 
And, you know, it's 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 a very clever kind of writer's trick, right, of we're going to show you this in the first episode of the season. And then we're going to keep alluding to it. We're going to show you put him putting on his coat and hiding it and everything else. And then at the end of the season, <laughs> instead of that making an appearance, what's going to happen is his arm's just going to get chopped off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's got to be like the top like in the top three best moments of the show. Yeah. Just a complete <laughs> fake out for the audience. We're all expecting the gun to come out and the arm just goes. <laughs> it's just wonderful. And 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 it's Limehouse who does that. Oh, we can go ahead and uh, intro that. You know, we're, we're in season three, we're introduced to Elston Limehouse. He's played by uh, Mikkel T. Williamson. Uh, most people, I, I'm, I'm sure, know him as Bubba Gump um, from Forrest Gump. Um I think Limehouse is is one of my favorite characters. Um, the, the the way he he's played, um, the history he has with Arlo, um, different things like that, and, and 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 you know the the way he talks with uh, with Rachel, you know whenever whenever they're talking in, in the holler and everything, and he's like, "Did I hear you drop your?" Uh, what he said, drop your R's or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I think the uh, the the uh, the guy in L.A. in the uh, Long in the Tooth episode said something about dropping there. But but yeah, I mean, it's basically the same thing. He's right. You're going to talk country to me, girl, and yeah. try and fool me. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Right. Well, one of my my favorite scenes actually is that one where uh, where Quarles and Limehouse are where, where he's sitting in that bar with his proposal, <laughs> and he's and Limehouse is just uh, he, he's sitting there uh, trying to serve him, and they have that conversation with with Quarles, and he's just mm, shoe fly pie. That whole shoe fly pie conversation. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, I forgot about the shoe fly pie. Shoe fly pie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so you know the, the the main the main you know antagonist I guess of this season is is quarrels really and um, but you got you got different uh, things going on um, you know this 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 will probably be a good uh, time to uh, bring up uh, Win Duffy and uh, the character of Gary um, Win Duffy <laughs> we're we're introduced to both these characters in the first season but I thought it was more appropriate to bring them up here because of of, of what happens with this you know Win Duffy uh, obviously you know Quarles comes down and, and puts Duffy in his service and so Duffy's kind of just doing the bidding of Quarles and and you can tell he's I think he's scared to death of Quarles because Quarles is a psychopath um, and he you know he's always looking like you know, like that one time when he went back into the the house and the Quarles was in the back with the the the, the boy in there or whatever and um man he I, you don't see win duffy that scared much permanent shell shock yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and, and it's funny because you know we inter- we're introduced to win duffy as a complete lunatic right and in the episode we just watched hatless you know he's he he goes from zero to 60 on emmett arnett waving the gun around screaming with a marshal show me the money all this stuff and uh, and, you know, his rep is that he's too unstable. Mercurial is the word that Pinner uses. <laughs> right. Right. To uh, to run his own show. And then they bring down this this quarrels guy. And Duffy is obviously terrified of him for the entire season. And justifiably so. Right. I mean, the guy is a terrifying, dude. Right. But uh, but in comparison, it's just so funny to see a guy like Duffy afraid of this guy. I always thought it was funny how they how Quarles would have 
you know, he would have a, a com- phone conversation with his kid. It sounded like, you know, like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah the, the grass is really green or blue, whatever it is. Uh, but uh, and then he hangs up the phone and it's just like, OK, well, <laughs> he's, he's like, like a nine wondering. to five dad or something like <laughs> yeah. that. And then he's going and like torturing people <laughs> yeah. right back to arch criminal stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Um, another character we didn't mention was uh, Winona. I know that you guys are big fans of uh, of of Winona and justifiably so. Um, uh, Winona is, is, is quite the looker. Um, if, if she grew up in Harlan, I'm sure she'd have as many stalkers as Ava did. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so she, so, uh, she, uh, Raylan got a little bit too much into his job. Um, this was way before the, the show started and they, they, they were married and, uh, they got divorced. She, uh, cheated on him with the, uh, the realtor. Um, and that's one of the, one of Raylan's favorite things to say, you know, and he even asked him, is a realtor or a realtor? Realtor, realtor, um, realtor. <laughs> so she she marries Gary, but Gary Gary, you know, he's a realtor, but he he has his own little schemes. He's always trying to make some money, trying to make a buck, and everything. He's scared to death of Ray. Well, he's pretty much scared of everything. Um, and uh, he you know he got into bed with Win Duffy, um, and uh, Win Duffy and Quarles uh, team up after a confrontation with Raylan, and this is probably my favorite moment in the show um and uh it's when Raylan goes to the trailer um has you know quarrels get up against the wall takes a picture of him so he can find out who he is but you know he has win duffy on the ground and to threaten him uh he you know he racks he racks a a, a a bullet out of his gun catches it and tosses it down to to um uh win duffy and uh says next one's coming faster and I just thought that was such a cool line. And he had heard, apparently he'd heard it on the Carson show or something. <laughs> I remember the, uh, one of the, one of the many hearings that he had uh, with, uh, with his, his bosses who were investigating Raylan's shootings. They even say that. <laughs> that was about one of the coolest, coolest things I've ever heard. heard. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or we're still going to investigate you or something like that. Or whatever. Yeah. Said we're still going to get you. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, you have this other plot with uh, with with Gary. Um, he's just going nowhere. You know, he even um, tried to get uh, Raylan killed and, uh, and and Winona. And then he kind of tried to draft off the uh, protection of the marshal service there. But um, eventually, um, you know, Raylan tells him to beat feet, get out of here. Don't ever come back. And in season three, um, uh, Quarles and, and Win Duffy go and find him. He's he's kind of a motivational speaker. Um, teaching people business tactics and different things like that because Gary's definitely qualified for that. Um, so they, they they grab him, they they take him in front of uh, their old house and uh, and they uh, they shoot him. They 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 kill him uh, right on the sidewalk there, and they use the bullet that um, that Raylan threw at him um, because it had his fingerprints on him and uh, essentially framed Raylan. So that's another uh, that's another thing that uh, Raylan and uh, and Winona are, are, are kind of having to deal with. Um, what, what, what did, what did you think about that whole scene? Uh, as far as, uh, I mean, were you happy that Gary died? I mean, I, I think he was kind of meant to be this, this character that, that people were, you know, you know, you want to side with Raylan. So you got to make this guy a really wormy, smarmy guy. Well, I thought that he, Gary is just one of those guys that ended up not being able to climb out of the hole that he did, that he dug for himself. He's, uh, much he's like a, a quarrel guys. What's that? I said much like a quarrels. Yeah, but but you know, I I actually had a little bit of pity for him 
um, for Gary, just because he, he, it was just so pitiful the way he, you know, there was like when he would, he would say, Oh, I'm going to try to win Winona back. You, you know, that's not going to happen. Right. I, uh, I thought, you know, it, it was over. <laughs> Their relationship was over when Raylan went to rescue him in, in back at the, at the, uh, beginning of season one or yeah, their uh, relationship was over as soon as Raylan really. showed up in Lexington. Yeah. Yeah. I look, I, I don't, I, I wasn't happy that Gary died, yeah. but his character arc was at an end, right? He had no further purpose to the story. I think they shoehorned him in a little bit as a plot device to try and figure out a way to, to put Raylan and Winona in the situation where they had to scramble. Right. Um, kind of brought him back from, from wherever he was, Kansas city or wherever the hell he was. Um, but, but yeah, I think I, his character, arc was, I, I, I maintain that, uh, that Gary is as dumb as a box of hammers and that's his character flaw. And that's what eventually resulted in him dying. But man, he's right. quick though. Those excuses he was given, uh, a Winona when she was questioning about when Duffy, man, he just hadn't asked for everything. <laughs> Yeah, but none of it was believable in the least. <laughs> he did a pretty good job, though. I mean, it's like this this box that's just swinging away, you know. <laughs> it was the equivalent of what the dog ate my homework sort of. Yes. Like, nobody believed. <laughs> Don't people believe Gary's uh, whatever Gary was shoveling out. Um, well, you know, and we were talking about, you know, uh, uh, quotes and stuff. Well, before we get to that, uh, I, I, I just want to say that I love – uh, where they finally eventually showed where Limehouse keeps his money. And Quarles just erupts into laughter and he's like, it's a piggy bank. <laughs> it's a piggy bank. <laughs> oh man. That's so another, uh, yeah. I mean, just like the, the, like I said, the writing it's, it's, it's just on point. And, and the fact that Quarles is just, completely lost his mind at this point and he's just a nine-year-old boy gleefully (laughs) seeing this i mean it's it's fantastic (laughs) it really is yeah well that one Um, of my favorite lines was the uh the whole thing about Raylan talking i think he was talking to winona about how he disarmed disarmed him By the way, coming coming right after that is probably the most heartbreaking moment of the entire series, I would say. Right. And, you know, and and getting into that, you know, it's it's it's, you know, Raylan recounting the uh, the events of what happened uh, to Winona. And uh, basically what happened in those those last moments of of the third season is um, Raylan's friend, who is a trooper, Trooper Tom Burgeon. He, he's gunned down. And of course, Raylan just thinks it was, you know, it was either Boyd, it was either Quarles or Winduffy, right? So he goes after him. But then when he gets, when, once uh, Quarles has been disarmed, um, Raylan asks him, you know, uh, who, who, who killed him? And he said, your old man. And so you, you find out that it was Arlo who actually shot the guy. And um, when he's telling Winona, he tells her, you know, um, he, just, he just said that uh, he saw a, a, a guy in a hat uh, pointing his gun at Boyd and you know and she goes like uh, in a hat and he goes yeah and he puts on his hat and walks away so you know you get this you, you get that what he's saying is that you know Arlo thought that that was Raylan about to shoot Boyd and he tried to kill his own son yep for the second time despite <laughs> so that when, but despite when we are introduced to uh, Arlo the first time Arlo bragging to Raylan how he's been a criminal for 40 or 50 years or whatever and he's never shot anybody he's never killed anybody 
But right. the, the guy he tries to kill more than anybody else is his son. Well, Ooh. and people seem to have that problem. I mean, even uh, even Quarrel says that he's a hard man to kill. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> he's a very difficult man to kill. But but it's that you know the the fathers and sons kind of element that runs through the show, and we see it in in season one with with Boyd and Bo and and their relationship and and eventual rivalry resulting in the death of Bo. And we see it with, with Arlo and Raylan throughout, um, you, you know, arguably the relationship between Mags and Dickie is, is, uh, of, uh, father and son style relationship. Cause she's the matriarch and the patriarch of that, of that clan at the same time. Um, and, and then you even have, you know, father figures in, in this show and art, is a father figure to Raylan because Raylan Definitely. doesn't have, doesn't have a father really essentially. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so that's a, that's a theme that, that recurs throughout this and, and that relationship between Arlo and, and Raylan, it's, it's tough, man. It's tough to get through. <laughs> and when Raylan goes and, and we're transitioning into season four right now. And so I'll, right. I'll just go ahead and say it when our, when Raylan goes to visit uh, Arlo in the hospital, and Arlo's on his deathbed and tells him to kiss his ass as his <laughs> dying words. Yeah. I mean, it's just, just brutal. <laughs> um, all right. Well, you know, we're getting into season four. We'll try to pick this up a little bit. Um, you know, we're introduced to Constable Bob, which is a, uh, a kind of a uh, staple. Uh, he's, he's not in, in a lot of the episodes, but you'll see him pop up every once in a while in the, in the, the, the next three seasons. Um, but uh, he's play, played by Patton Oswalt, and uh, he's probably one of my favorite characters on this show as well. Um, what, what, what did you guys think about Constable Bob and and them, you know, casting Pat, Patton Oswalt to uh, to play that role? I thought it was a fun, uh, you know, how the the Marshal Service the running gag was. Oh, there's still that around, you know, like the <laughs> the Marshal Service is around, and uh, the running joke uh, with Constable Bob was, you know, sort of played on that. Where oh, there's still a constable. What what is that? You know, <laughs> nobody knows what that is either. I just yeah. thought it was a, a funny running gag that they had. I I like the relationship between Raylan and Constable Bob because Raylan, unlike everybody else, right? Everybody else sees sees Bob as a joke, as a you know a, a punchline. Raylan sees something in him commitment or or uh, wherewithal or whatever it is he sees in him and maybe just he a good fosters spirit. that nurtures that yeah and yeah. and and knows that he's a capable man and and there's a great line that people uh uh in season four here where he says you know people underestimate bob at their own peril yeah. Yeah. And and that with with his blood oozing down his face. Yes, he said exactly. That. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, you have the the the. What did you think of, about the you know the subplot with the church people, the uh, Ellen May and um, uh, oh, what's his name, Colt? Uh, you know, trying to go after Ellen May. Did did you kind of get into that or or? I like that they give Tim something to do because yeah, yeah. you know my favorite secondary character in the show is Win Duffy by a long shot but not too far behind him is uh is tim gutterson 
And uh, mm-hmm. I think Tim's got an interesting story. I actually think that a Tim Win Duffy spinoff would have been fantastic for the show. <laughs> um, I would like to see yeah, that. I don't know if they go on the road together in the RV or what they do, but but it'd be uh, it'd be pretty entertaining. But but uh, uh, giving Tim something to do and someone to relate to who has a similar experience that he's had. Uh, I think is good. And you can tell immediately that Tim picks up a on how dangerous this guy is, but B that he feels a little bit of camaraderie or sympathy for him. And so he doesn't, you know, shoot him at his first available opportunity or even a second available opportunity. And even pauses there at the end. Yeah. It does a railing and waits for him to pull. Yep. So, I, I, I'm glad that they give Tim something to do. It helped his character development. Um, and Colton, you know, is exactly the kind of guy who uh, makes running a criminal enterprise like Boyd's trying to run interesting because you can't pick who your guys are, right? Your guys are going to be the guys you can trust and the guys who you hope do their jobs the right way. But but criminals are going to be criminals, yeah. And you can't control that. And sometimes you get this loose cannon who, you know, his his track kind of parallels uh, Quarles's track from from season three. I mean, he just becomes steadily more unhinged as yeah. the season continues. Yeah, I, I, I like I like, you know, their conversation when Raylan and Boyd are, uh, you know, are off talking to the Hill people and everything. Um, I, I like, I like Colt, uh, you know, trying to, trying to check, track down, uh, Ellen May and, um, you know, just, he, he's kind of like spiraling like Quarles, uh, Quarles did in the last season, um, until he gets at the very end, you know, where, where, where Tim had to, had to put him down and everything. Um, to really sum up the season, I am going to quote art. All right. Are you ready? I'm, maybe, maybe, you, maybe, maybe you know what I, I'm I going I know what's with coming. Go All right. <laughs> First thing we're going to do is acknowledge that this guy is awesome. He shoots Theotonin, fakes his death in a spectacular fashion, pushes a guy out of an airplane while he's flying it, parachutes into Harlan County with enough coke and cash to jumpstart the economy of a small country, and then he has the balls to get a job in law enforcement not once but two times. He spends a couple days riding around with you while you're looking for him, and now he's run off with a hooker that's half his age. That's some badass shit. <laughs> um, well, you know, to close this out, you know, the, the another uh, pretty much the main threat besides, you know, the, the the main plot is is trying to find Drew Thompson, which which eventually they do. Ellen May gets her kind of you know um, ticket out of Harlan, um, and. Um, we're introduced to uh, the Tonins, Sammy Tonin, uh, or not introduced, but you know we get to see more of uh, Sammy Tonin, Theo Tonin, and we're introduced to Nikki Augustine. Um, Theo Tonin was played by Adam Arkin, who directed uh, quite a quite a few episodes of Justified. Yeah, I think about ten, ten or twelve, something like that. Yeah, did you like him as uh, Theo Tonin? I do. I like him as Theo Tonin. I just wish they uh, they would have showed him talking to the ear. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that would have been hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To threaten people, he would, uh, yeah. he would talk into this ear to make sure that they were really listening. That's that's the that's the type of person that uh, employs somebody like Quarles. Well, I thought I always thought it was funny. Just getting back to what uh, we were talking about about the henchmen that uh, you know Tonin would send. I mean, the, a lot of these guys were just very memorable, right? Like uh, Michael Ironside wasn't he one of the uh, one of his henchmen that he sent down? Um, to uh, from that Theotonin sent down. 
Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. I forgot about him. There was like so the, all these all those henchmen that that he would send down there were just to be so 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 good, just really well cast, just really well done. So. Well, even the even I mean, and and again on the point that we talked about earlier with the level of care and detail that's gone into even these throwaway characters, the two yeah. Canadian guys. <laughs> uh, who are involved in the heroin trade? You got Dave Thomas. I mean, it's it's wonderful. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. They, you know, they 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 weave that uh, subplot in there good, and and especially with Nikki Augustine. Um, he was also on. Uh, wasn't he? In, uh, he was in My Name Is Earl. Um, I can't remember the actor's name uh, who plays Nikki Augustine. Um, but he's kind of like yeah, the the I'd say main enforcer, one of the main enforcers of Theo Tone, and he comes down, um, you know, uh, because uh, you know they need to find Drew Thompson. Drew Thompson, you know, he 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 did all these things back in the day, uh, screwed Theo Tone in over, um, you know, I think stabbed him in his eye, so he's got this injury. So Theo wants him dead. Um, this Nikki August and Nikki Augustine, he threatens uh, Rayland's uh, Rayland and uh, Winona, and you know their baby because she's pregnant. And, uh, so, you know, he has his guys holding a gun to her belly and all this kind of stuff. Uh, they, they're able to escape that, but, um, Raylan goes and meets with Nikki at the, uh, at the airport and, uh, you know, basically tells him he needs to back off. And Nikki's like, look, I'm about to go kill Sammy and, you know, take over this empire. Um, so you can kiss my ass. I'm not doing anything. And Raylan says, okay. And he goes to the, the plane, he meets Sammy and, uh, they kind of, don't, they don't really shake hands, but uh, they say their hellos and their goodbyes. And uh, Raylan walks away while they they light up the uh, the car that Nikki's in. Um, do you think that that had any impact on, uh, or, or what what kind of impact do you think that had on Raylan? Um, just letting that murder happen, probably yeah, I not think, much. I don't think. Do you, you think, Chris? I do. I do. Well, I mean, look, I think that at least part of him says, oh, this is a criminal. These are mobsters. They kill each other all the time. But but I do think it weighs on him and we see it. You know, we know Art figures it out later what happened in the next. Yeah. Yeah. And and we see the interactions between Raylan and Art and and Raylan knows that Art knows and you can tell that it weigh, that that weighs on Raylan pretty heavily, and, you think and he you're... understands that the art's disappointed in him for what he did. So, so whether or not he feels bad that he did it, he feels bad that he's disappointed Art for sure. Right. Yeah, like going along that that father figure, you know, you know, Art's a respectful guy and somebody that Raylan can look up to. And uh, I think that maybe kind of, you know, he was kind of riding that line. He almost executed Dickie. Um, you know, he, he was, will, you know, he's playing uh, Harlan Roulette with uh, Win Duffy last season to find out information, you know. Uh, and, and then he lets this 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 guy get assassinated. And the next season, season five, um, you know, you kind of got the fallout from Nikki's death when uh, Arlo figures, or Arlo, um, when Art figures it out. Um, and he, he kind of uh, punches Raylan out. Um, Raylan kind of, uh, it's, is, I think, I think he kind of reflects this season. Like, you know, I've, I've been going down a path since I got here and now I just let somebody get murdered right in front of me. And he sees, you know, the consequences of that or how bad that was in, in art's reaction. And it's like something has broken with him and art and they'll never get that back. Well, not only did I let him get murdered in front of me, I called the guy who did it to let right. him know that this guy was going to be here at this time. Right. 
That's tough. Well, what, That's how tough. is that any different than the first season where he gave 24 hours for Tommy Bucks to leave town? I mean, it's not that much different, is it? Yeah, and that's a question that he asked. Uh, uh, he asked himself when he was talking to Winona, like, "What would have happened if he had just let the, the the clock run out? You know, would I have would I have shot him? You know, I know I wanted to." So that's the I kind of that that's kind of the main question of the entire show, as far as Raylan's character goes. Is 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 he's you know what what is it that stops him from crossing the line into outlaw, and how thin is that is that thing that stops him? And where is that line? Like, yeah. it, it's a constantly shifting kind of line for Raylan. Right. Which we get to see, uh, season five, I'm just kind of, kind of breeze over. Um, you know, th- there, there are some good moments in this, you know, justified's a good show, no matter what season five was, uh, you know, not as good as some of the other seasons, but, um, you know, it's still justified. It still has the, the, the great writing and everything. Um, but basically what you have is you have uh, Dewey Crow's family, uh, the, the rest of the crows from uh, Florida. They, they, they're kind of their resources and their, their schemes and stuff down in Florida have kind of dried up. Um, Dewey has won a settlement against the government because Raylan has, <laughs> has just beat the crap out of him for the last four, four seasons. And so he's, he's finally gotten like a $300,000 settlement. He buys Audrey's from uh, Boyd and all this kind of stuff. Um, and he, an above-ground uh, pool. That's not and an above-ground pool, which, which Raylan <laughs> takes care of in the very first episode. <laughs> um, but so the crows come up and they, they you know, they, they want to, uh, you know, they, they basically, they want to take over. Uh, they want to get Dewey's money and try to take over some kind of an empire there. Um, <clears throat> as they find out, as the rest of the people who come to Harlan find out, um, this is kind of Boyd's territory and he's usually the, the last one standing. Um, after all is said and done. And uh, so he's, he's, he's contending with Boyd, even though they team up a little bit. Um, he's contending with the marshal who's after him and everything. Um, of course, we have the, um, the, the storyline where Ava goes to prison um, because uh, she killed, um, uh, what was the guy's name? Oh boy! Now I'm gonna forget. I already uh, forgot. It just jumped right out of my head. Was it Delmer? Used to, not Delmer Del- Coates. Delroy. Delroy. That's it. Delroy, who you who <laughs> used to own uh, Audrey's, right? Which is the whorehouse there, and uh, he 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 was kind of beating on uh, Alan May and all this kind of stuff, um, and uh, you know to protect her because um, she was probably about to get killed. Uh, Ava Ava uh, killed him, and they uh, buried him in secret. I think they even kept that from Boyd for a while. Really, nothing much happens. The only reason that she's going to prison is for Raylan to be able to then use that as leverage to help her get out and to then have an informant on Boyd. Yeah, um, and to put a little stress on her relationship with Boyd, right? Because Boyd Boyd starts out in this season trying to move heaven and earth to get her out of jail, and then he gets a little distracted by his heroin business. Yeah, now he and- just wants money. Yeah. And it becomes kind of a, okay, what can I do to get her out of jail? How much work is it going to be? What's, is it going to jeopardize my ability to, you know, control the heroin distribution market in Kentucky with Win Duffy? Yeah. And, and, and this- I think, uh, I think this season has one of my favorite Win Duffy lines in it when, uh, when Win and, and, uh, Boyd, uh, are in the room and Boyd is pitching Win on, on joining forces. And Win says, uh, something effective, but Mr. Crowder, I don't even trust the way you just told me you can trust me. Yes. Yeah. I love that line. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we, so we move into season six and by this time uh, 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 Raylan has gotten uh, Ava out of prison and, um, 
she's she's now informing on Boyd, but is she informing on Boyd? Um, I think she's she's got a tough um, tough conundrum. I mean, you know, the the show talks about it, um, and her uncle talks about it. Uh, played by that, oh, what's his name? He played Lapidus in, in Lost. Um, yeah, uh, the pilot, the uh, lawnmower uh, man. Gosh, yes. I, I can't remember his name, but you know, she, he even said, you know, uh, Boyd and 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 Raylan, you know, have always been using Ava, you know, kind of like uh, against each other, a tit for tat type thing. And so she's she's like supposed to be informing on Boyd, but she doesn't trust Boyd. She doesn't trust Raylan. And I think about halfway through, she's she's deciding, OK, I got to figure out what I can do for myself. Um, we're, we're introduced to uh, Avery Markham, um, who's got a couple minions at the beginning, but they're uh, uh, like uh, Choo Choo. Um, <laughs> Choo Choo was a great character. And he's like, uh, when, what, what was he saying? Um, oh, what did he say? And Raylan made him repeat it when he was taking his car. Where's oh, I'm, I, I know I'm not following you. Because I'm not following. Oh, he's right. Like, he's right, like, yeah, are, yeah. Are, do you, are you saying you don't understand or are you <laughs> repeating this shit not. that you're not following me? <laughs> That's <laughs> so right. I love yeah, who's on first of Justin. Exactly. Because, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah, you have a few brain cells short and everything. But, um, you know, those those guys are taken care of about halfway through. But then we're introduced to Boone. And uh, Boone is played by Jonathan Tucker. And when I, f- I first heard this guy was going to be coming on to play kind of like a gunslinger, I was like, because uh, I'd seen this guy in a few things before, but you know, he never struck me as like kind of a tough gun gunslinger type of character. Um, but um, you know, we talked about this earlier um, is, is what would have happened if, Bo- if Raylan had stayed in Harlan, do you think he would have turned into a Boone type of character? Uh, I, I mean, I could, I could see a scenario where he becomes kind of a hired gun. Or right. a guy who's meant to intimidate more so than kill, um, but but there's a whole additional layer of creepy with Boone and his interaction with Definitely Loretta. The yeah, yeah. I'm not sure that that that's within Raylan's kind of capacity, but but I could see you know him serving a similar role in a criminal organization, intimidator, uh, a threat. I would say that out of all the gun thugs and all the uh, henchmen, Boone was probably the worst. You didn't like him? Probably. I just didn't like him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the creepy vibe didn't do it. was, I, I can understand, you know, but there was something about the his delivery. I, I It was just, he was memorable, yes, but I, I out of all the, all the henchmen, I'd probably say that he would probably be the worst just because. maybe maybe it's the the whole thing with the loretta and all that other stuff but yeah it might just be one of those things where he just makes you you know like he legitimately made me uncomfortable so i wasn't i wasn't a huge fan but yeah Yeah. i i i remember at the end of the uh at the end of the series thinking to myself well this can't be the guy who kills raylan that's not gonna happen right this is this guy this guy's not a guy that kills raylan givens this guy's a guy who you know can shoot a random or whoever but not not He's not a, he's not the main character assassin. Yeah, yeah. Did you, you did you expect more out of the uh, the Boyd confrontation than than what you kind of got as far as Boyd just kind of giving up in the end, or or I mean, did you expect him to go out in kind of a a, a blaze of glory? You know what I think is more interesting. The more uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I, I think at that point Boyd had been so exhausted, right? Ava shot him. He didn't have the money. He knew he was never going to get the money. He knew it was all over. I think what's more interesting is, is what would have happened if he didn't put the gun down? If he made, if he, if he raised the gun and made Raylan shoot him, what would have happened? Um, because Ray kind of put his badge down while he was going to hunt these guys, so he was kind of yep. you know acting outside of the law at the time. Yeah, and he, I mean, the the exchange that they have is you're going to raise that gun, and we're going to end this right here, right now. Um, and that's what Raylan says. And and the question that I have is, could Raylan have pulled that trigger if he did? And yeah. I think the answer is probably yeah. You know, and they've been talking about it since season one, you know, um, Boyd questioning him, you know, about, you know, the shootings that he did and what he did with Tommy Buck, uh, Tommy Bucks and everything. And and so kind of at the end, Boyd's like, you're going to have to make a decision on who you are. You know, you, you're you going to have to shoot me. You know, I'm not going to raise my gun. You're going to have to shoot me as as uh, well. I mean, he picked it up, but, you know, he's you're going to have to shoot me um, unarmed. And, uh, you know, I, I think I think, you know, it shows some kind of. Um, um, growth because you know it was it was that question that he asked uh ava or not ava uh winona at the end of the first episode he's like you know um if if i'd if he'd let the clock run out um would i have would i have shot him anyways and that's kind of the 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 question was answered i think with boyd um because you know he he he, he chose not to shot him he chose to arrest him he, as much as boyd had done throughout the show and as much as raylan wanted to shoot him he decided to do the right thing and I think that makes us feel better at the end with uh, when we see Raylan with his daughter in Florida and his life in Florida and everything else. I think it makes us feel better about it because I think that if he had shot Boyd in that scenario, we wouldn't feel so good about him get, potentially getting away with it, getting away with murder. Yeah, I actually have a I have a question for you guys. Let me I want to ask about Ava because Ava is the female character in the show who actually gets character development, right? Uh, as opposed to Rachel, who she has an episode of character development, and uh, and Winona, who you know is Winona and and the worst, but she, incredibly she is the worst. <laughs> so, uh, but but Ava actually evolves pretty dramatically from the beginning of the uh, beginning of the series to the end of the series. What I wanted to ask you guys is, you know, she talks about how she was kind of, she used to dream about Raylan coming back to town and taking her away from all of it. Mm -hmm. Even after, even after the events of the first season, even after her entanglement with Boyd, even after going to jail, if Raylan had ridden back in on his white horse and said, I'm going to take you away from all of this, what do you think she does? Does she, does she immediately go, okay, we're going. Or does she, you know, does she try and stick to that life? Because I think that in, in a lot of ways, a lot of the other characters, if a similar thing, you know, whatever the similar thing for them is happened, they would stick back and they would be right back in the same rut that they were in. Right. They all at one point or another had an opportunity to get out, quote unquote, but they chose not to take it. What what about her? She never really had that opportunity. If he does ride back in and say, I want you and I want you to be with me and we're going to go. Does she take him up on that? Are you talking about uh, as far as uh, timeline season one? Or no, I'm talking about at, at, at any point in the series. 
Um, I, I think, I think she does. I think she's always had an attraction to Raylan. She's always had feelings for him and everything. And, you know, we, you saw that in, in season six when she, you know, she tried to come on to him again and everything. Um, I think that she desperately wanted to get away from, from there. But I think that she also saw that Raylan, you know, kind of used her as much as, as much as Boyd did. And so I don't know if she'd be able to trust him. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, you know, there's some question as to whether or not when her coming on to him and at the towards the end of the series is authentic or not, or if it's just her trying to use her feminine wiles to get out of the, the jam that she's in. Right. But, but I, I, I do, I, I thought from the beginning that she would, she would have thrown all of it away. She would have given all of it up if Raylan had come and been like, let's, let's go to Miami together and, and put this all behind us. Yeah. I think she was ready to go season one, episode one. Yeah. (laughs) well even after even after she got pregnant and she got pregnant with boyd's kid you think that she would have run off with raylan i mean i my feeling is that she uh you know once that happens that uh everything centers on around her kid uh you know raising the kid or whatever it is so maybe she got some new priorities she she seemed to have more of a sense of purpose now when raylan found her five years later or whatever it was yeah, I, I, that's what I think. I, th- I think, uh, you know, she saw that opportunity. Definitely it was an opportunity once uh, at the end of, the, you know, that showdown and she was able to take off. Right. That's what happened. Yeah. Uh, so so she 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 made the right move. I think I, yeah, I think I think <laughs> but, at the beginning uh, she was ready to go. But I think by the end of the, when, when she had had the kid, I think, you know, that was her yeah. purpose now. And she was able to kind of make it on her own. Um, but you know, during everything that was going on, yeah, I definitely, she would think she would have taken any, any ticket she could to get away because I, you know, she, she had feelings for Boyd, but I think a lot of it, and especially in the later seasons, you know, uh, she was kind of afraid of him and, 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 and that life. Okay. What do you think? Do you think what, what was that? I, I said, okay. Yeah. I, I, I actually, I actually, I guess I hadn't considered the, the, because we don't really, we don't know she's pregnant until the kid shows up later. Right. Right. So we, we never, we never learn that, uh, until she has a five-year or six-year-old kid or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I, I think that at any point up until maybe that, maybe the last three episodes of, uh, of the series that if Raylan had said, all right, let's do it, we're going, she would have done it. She would have jumped at it. Because I think yeah. she always wanted an exit. She always wanted a way out. And she saw Boyd as kind of her way out. And Bowman when he was uh, going to be a football player. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. That's a great point, <laughs> too. He's going to go play I, for the Cowboys. Or he wouldn't yeah, mind the Cowboys. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was. I, I, she always she always looked for a ticket. She was always looking for a ticket out of uh, Harlan. Well, but that's every woman, right? Isn't that every woman? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's probably true. <laughs> Except for except for Loretta, he wanted to, she wanted to own the pot business and yeah. stay right where she was at. Loretta wanted a monopoly on the pot business in Kentucky. Yeah, well, he, and then he, she said she went on to win like a Golden Globe and an Emmy, right? So yeah. good for her. Yeah. Well, what, what do you think? What do you think of the the, the chances are that uh, Raylan's daughter and Boyd's uh, son uh, grew up and uh, got married? <laughs> what, what do you think? Though I mean, how how. <laughs> How miserable! How miserable would Raylan be? <laughs> they meet at University of Kentucky. You know, just happened to be going to the same school. Or that something was like great. That. College, yeah. love. 
Um, well, I mean, that's really that's really all I had to say about this show. You guys have any other comments, any thoughts, any questions? Oh, no, I, I I I don't. Not really. I mean, we didn't we didn't mention Stephen Tobolowski in uh, in season <laughs> three, or, uh, which you know he's he's my one of my favorite characters. That, that, Ned Ryerson. Ryer, yeah, that's the crooked uh, the, FBI agent, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I had that written down as as one of my favorite guest star appearances because I love him. He's fantastic in everything he's in. But uh, but yeah, I look love the show. Uh, can't can't say enough about it. Wish that wish that it had gone on for ten more seasons and and been as strong as it was. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't want it to limp off into the grave. And and they went out on a high note. So so I can't complain about that. Yeah. But. Randy, you, you share the same opinion or? Yeah, I think so. Oh, I think I would have liked to have seen, like I, I mentioned at the beginning of, you know, what would have happened because they did set up Limehouse to be a, a, a villain uh, and there would have been a confrontation. I, I kind of wanted to see that play out. But yeah, I think they ended it at, at probably at the right time, don't you think? I mean, maybe a, a couple more seasons there, but you can't. Six seasons in a movie. Maybe a movie with justified. Yeah, I think I think I think TV shows nowadays and 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 in the past, but but there's plenty nowadays and, and plenty of evidence that that you can push a show too far, um, and, yeah. and you never want to milk it too much. You know that's why you know Jerry Seinfeld got out when he did. He wanted to get out while he was on top with his show and everything. I, I think you know it's it's I I would rather have a a you know five or six season show. And have them be very good quality, good what uh, good episodes, characters, writing like we got. Instead of having ten seasons and you know, kind of stretching it out, making it thin. You know, I think I think it had run its course. But I get what you're saying. You know, like you know, I wish it did this. This could go on forever because these characters and these storylines um, are just so fascinating and so engaging. Yeah, yeah. You don't. What you don't want is you don't want a Game of Thrones season eight or a uh, community <laughs> gas leak season. Yeah, that right? that episode yeah. is coming out soon for for our show as well. Oh so, yeah, oh, yeah. We're gonna go, we're gonna go into in, in into depth about. Uh, yeah, I, I'll just I'll just save that for there because you know I'll start to get angry. Speaking of season finale or uh, series finales, what did you like that Seinfeld episode season finale or series finale? No one liked. I it. thought it was stupid. Okay. All right. Like I get no what one, they were trying no to do, liked. but it everyone, I, I mean, it made sense, right? Conceptually, it was a good idea, but it, the execution oh. just miserable, <laughs> miserable. <laughs> it was basically yeah, it would have been better off with a clip show. Yeah, it was basically <laughs> all the characters showing up, and uh, you know, and that was it. You know, they, I don't know. It was, yeah. it was just bad. Yeah. It's what happens when a show without a premise tries to do a show with a premise. It's <laughs> yeah, a show about nothing. Yeah, <laughs> let's have nothing substantial in our last episode. Um, all right, well, you guys want to uh, plug uh, plug your show or uh, plug anything that you got? Yeah, sure, I'll plug uh, Groundless, a Justified podcast. You can find it in all the normal podcasting places: uh, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, Apple. Um, uh, our host is SoundCloud, so you can find us there as well. Just search for Groundless, uh, and you'll find us. Um, we're on Twitter at Groundless Pod, and we're on Instagram at Groundless Podcast. You can also find us uh, occasionally in the uh, the Justified subreddit. 
uh, as Groundless Podcast. And uh, you can always email us at uh, groundlesspodcast at gmail.com or uh, reach out to us on Reddit or Twitter or any of those uh, those social media places that we just mentioned. Uh, we love to hear from our uh, love to hear from our listeners and uh, uh, especially if you disagree with us. Um, reach out to us and tell us why we're wrong. We like that very, very much. Um, uh, Alan Seppenwall, who has uh, a couple of very definitive uh, TV books uh, out there, um, did some of the best writing about Justified uh, and does some of the best writing about television that you can find. Um, and so I'm going to plug him if that's okay. Definitely. And then uh, Danger Guerrero, Danger Guerrero, who is uh, uh, the writer for Warming Glow, which is an Uproxx blog uh, about television, uh, is also absolutely fantastic uh, writer about television. And if you want to laugh, uh, go back and read the Justified recaps from uh, from the times the episodes were airing. They uh, he has the Boyd Crowder hair threat level that he tracks, <laughs> and uh, it's uh, it's it's very entertaining, and it makes the show that much better so if you're watching the show watch that too and for god's sake if you haven't watched the show please go do it please go do go it. watch it now. I, I i can't ask anything more go watch it now nothing else you're doing is more interesting than that show i promise <laughs> definitely and 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 you guys you guys make sure you follow along with the uh, the groundless the groundless podcast these guys do a great job of uh of breaking everything down um episode by episode if you can catch up to what they're doing um and then you know kind of maybe following along or if you just want to you know binge watch the whole series and then come back to it uh that works too um it's always a good time talking about Justify. So many good characters, so many good lines. Um, I, and, and, and I always love talking about it. So I'm, I'm really glad that I found you guys and was able to talk about fellow uh, fans, um, talk about Justify with fellow fans. Um, so I really appreciate you guys coming on. Um, the uh, uh, you, you, you guys can find us at the, the Postgraded Podcast, um, uh, both on Instagram and Facebook. Our email is postgradedpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I, guys, again, I appreciate you guys coming on and, um, I look forward to more of your episodes. You, you guys keep doing what you're doing and, uh, I'll keep listening. All right. Thanks, Matt. We really appreciate the invite. Glad to, glad to, glad to do the show. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Randy. I um, appreciate you guys listening and, uh, we'll, uh, see you next time. Yeah.